welcome to the Dirt World Podcast. I'm Jason Richmond, a fourth generation road builder who started on a shovel and now serves as the chief operating officer at BuildWit. This podcast will dig into the construction world, exploring the challenges, successes, and strategies that shape exceptional leadership and builds a thriving workforce in the dirt world. Today, we have Amy Conrad Hill with America's Construction Talent Network, ACTN, or I'll probably refer to it as Action, is a brand new nonprofit, a national spinoff of the Indiana Construction Roundtable Foundation. Like its Indiana counterpart, Action is a nonprofit dedicated to building the people pipeline needed in the construction industry. They have programs that connect with K through 12 kids to get the next generation of construction professionals excited about careers in construction. They're also working on capturing new talent through adult trade skill building education to prepare new folks for the job site on day one. They have had a lot of successful outcomes in Indiana, and now Action will be bringing these proven programs to a state near you. Amy has been a team member of ICRF and is currently leading this national charge with Action. So welcome to the Dirt World Podcast, Amy. Thanks for having me, Jason. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I got a little tongue twisted in the beginning there with the ICRFs <laughs> and the ACTNs and action. So so much acronym. <laughs> oh man, it's we live in an acronym world. It feels like you know, from an association standpoint, and in the construction industry, there's an acronym for everything. Yes, it's alphabet soup out there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Well, I'm super excited to be talking with you today. Uh, to learn just a little bit more about your background. We'll, we'll you know, kind of start from the beginning as early as you can go, uh, what your journey is and, and how you got here. We'll talk a little bit about business and where action is and, and what it's all about. Uh, and then we'll get into some leadership and workforce development stuff. So if you don't mind just, you know, letting our listeners know a little bit of your background, you know, t take us through your journey, starting back from fundraising, you know, to where you are today in, in charge of action. Okay. Um, so I started off in nonprofit world probably 10 years ago or more now. Um, I was working in marketing and I was actually working for a funder. So we were um, judging other nonprofits uh, requests for funding. And I always say if I had been a grant writer after or before that, I probably would have been a lot more generous on that side of things. But it it was great. It launched me into philanthropy. It really um, inspired in me a love of fundraising. Um, my grad undergraduate degree is actually in political science. So it's a far step um, being in the nonprofit world than being in politics. And uh, that kind of set me on the path to being a fundraiser. So I've worked for different organizations over those years and different industries as well, um, but always in fundraising or marketing, uh, people outreach. And then I started my own con uh, consulting agency, and that's how I got hooked up with the Indiana Construction Roundtable Foundation. Um, so I started off as a fundraising consultant for them and then joined the team as a staff member and one of their goals has always been to um, grow outside of the state of Indiana. So ICRF started in 2015, and they've been doing really great work throughout the state of Indiana. And this was kind of their long-term goal is to replicate that success in other states. So from that, we have just started um, action. And in fact, this is the first time that we have been on 
anything to announce that we have started action, but we'll be duplicating that success throughout the United States. And I'll be kind of leading that. Um, I live in the Louisville, Kentucky area. So our first state up is Kentucky, but we are hoping to be in at least 10 states within the next three to five years. Um, and that will, you know, how we grow will be sort of organic on where we can form those collaborative partnerships to bring our programs to that state. So it's just really exciting stuff. That's incredible. There's a lot there. We just covered, you know, a decade in about three minutes. So probably going to have to rewind it back and, yeah. and jump into some things. Uh, you know, just as you're talking about ICRF in action, you know, we'll get into that eventually. Take me back to what, you know, what is it about nonprofit and that philanthropic and that generous side of things that, that really gets you excited every day? You know, a, a lot of our listeners are in the for-profit world. They, they do fundraisers and they do golf outings and they do skeet, mm -hmm. you know, skeet shooting and all types of events. But I think talking about nonprofits and their purpose and what got you involved in that would be really good for our listeners to learn a little about. Absolutely. So from the nonprofit world, basically the reason nonprofits exist is because society has needs in areas that they otherwise would not get met without somebody providing those services. And fortunately, um, you know, a lot of folks want to support those passion projects or they want to uh, just make the world a better place. And that's certainly how I got into it as well. I wanted to help people. Um, I grew up with three brothers, so I am naturally an incredibly competitive person. And I think that's why fundraising um, appealed to me because there's always a numbers goal. There's always, um, you know, a, a deadline to meet, something like that. So, so it's really great to get a federal grant for millions of dollars that's going to support that from a competitive personal standpoint. Yeah. Um, but the other side of that is that you know, those dollars are going directly to helping solve some sort of problem that's widespread in society. And I, I love the work that many nonprofits do in just making the world a better place and getting, um, you know, as human beings, we create and have so many problems in society and nonprofits really work to solve those complex problems. And, and it's a really collaborative space. It's a really, um, wonderful way to connect with people and, and really problem solve, which is wonderful. Yeah, that's really good. You know, so it feels like there's one of two people when you hear the word fundraising, it's either they run towards it or they run away from it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, you know, just thinking about that, you know, for, for our listeners that are out there, you know, if, if they're interested in nonprofits or fundraising or, you know, things of this, what, what kind of advice would you have for them? you know, about getting involved or asking questions or getting engaged, you know, coming from, I've served on boards of nonprofits and we're looking for people all the time. And we kind of mm -hmm. feel like, should we ask, should we not ask? Do we think they will be interested? But if there's people out there that have an interest in learning more, what advice would you give them about nonprofits? I always love supporting your local community. Um, not the national boards and, and things aren't wonderful, but that's a great start for folks. So typically, if you have a certain passion, there's probably a nonprofit in your area that's working um, to solve that problem. So a quick Google search and you can find, um, you know, exactly what you're kind of looking for. And there's also typically in larger communities, some sort of nonprofit hub where they may do a board match where you can actually go on and um, this is what I'm interested in. And I'd love to have 
Um, nonprofits support that. A lot of community foundations will have some sort of service like that. Um, so that's a wonderful way. You know, board service can be intimidating, um, but a lot of places you can be a frontline volunteer. Um, so for instance, for ICRF, we love having industry folks who obviously serve on our board. There's only so many board member seats on a nonprofit, but we have an ambassador cabinet where industry folks can, um, you know, we just kind of send out a notice when we're going into a school or doing a career fair that we're going to be in this area to the employers that we know are in that area and invite those ambassadors to come out and just really share their passion for how they found construction as a career. And they're inspiring, you know, middle school kids and they're connecting high schoolers to um, skills training that they can get before they graduate. And they're getting adults who are back into, you know, skill building for the skilled trades. Um, they're getting those adults to kind of pick their pathway forward. And it's incredibly helpful and, and really rewarding because you get to see not just the numbers, you know, we graduate hundreds of folks every year. What kind of gets lost in that is maybe an individual that you'll really connect with um, when you're doing one of those ambassador projects and you can really get that, uh, that, that personal connection with someone when you're doing that. And that's so rewarding. Totally. Uh, I think you're touching upon something that uh, just is near and dear to my heart. I've got some experience in it. Um, as a young leader uh, coming up within the construction industry, one, one thing that I enjoyed about getting involved in associations and nonprofits was I could participate on a committee and have a leadership role on a committee as a young leader, or, mm -hmm. or we would have a project that we were working on and they would need a project lead for that role. And I could, I could volunteer and build a team. And so I was learning leadership and communication skills. Uh, we would plan events. And so we would have to do budgeting and, and forecasting, and then we'd have to get, get people excited about it. Um, you know, I got to a point where I was able to serve on boards and, and thinking through that three to five year mission, vision, values, and what direction are we going? And so, you know, I, I'll just say that, you know, regardless of age, you know, most nonprofits and associations and organizations, they're not going to turn you away. They're going to welcome you with open arms. They're going to say, you know, praise Jesus that you're sending people our way. Uh, and you're going to have great opportunities to learn and grow uh, find mentorship, build relationships. I still have a relationship. You know, I, I think we have a mutual friend, Calvin Lee. He's now with the Indiana uh, Mineral Aggregates Association. I live in Indiana, but he was my LDC leadership development committee leader back many years ago, over a decade. And I still have a relationship with him today. We play golf, we talk, we work together and it's just an incredible experience. So hearing you talk about, you know, the opportunities, I would just really encourage our listeners, don't be afraid, ask questions, knock on the door, send an email, ask, get involved, volunteer. What do you think, Amy? Do you agree? Absolutely. Uh, nonprofits just need folks. They operate with very slim staff and they have huge visions usually and, and a lot of work to, to do. So it's easier to divide that out. Um, and I think the other thing that maybe discourages people and I'm talking from a fundraiser, is that they're afraid that if they volunteer to do the ambassador cabinet that they're going to get asked and they may not be able to support financially. But nonprofits love to have um, those connections. They 
they welcome people in whatever way they're comfortable to serve the the nonprofit because they really could not do their mission without uh, wonderful folks in the community being generous yeah. with their time, with their talent. Um, so whatever your skills and your background, there's usually something that you can do to get involved in a nonprofit. As I was doing my research, um, I was reading that you had a blog, The Girl with the Wooden Spoon. <laughs> that was 100 years ago. But hey, what a cool experience though. You were you were young and trying and writing and marketing and connecting. I thought that was really cool. And to see the transition of that that writing and that communication to now, you know, you're writing grants for millions of dollars and you know, to me that's really exciting to see where you started and where you're at today. You know, and as we're encouraging this next generation, I think it's important to talk about those those steps along our journey for for how you got to where you are because sometimes it's like you know, people, we hear this all the time. It's like, you want to go from, uh, you know, entry level to the executive C-suite. It's like, man, there's a, there's a, there's sometimes many decades in between. And such a convoluted path. It's so funny when I have no idea where you dug up that blog. You've done your research because I didn't even know it existed anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was actually in my, when I graduated college and I moved out kind of on my own where my parents stopped putting money into my bank account to be able to go out and eat sushi every day, I had to learn to cook, <laughs> which I had never done before. And it actually, um, in the process of learning to cook, I found out that I, I loved it. And so um, I was working an entry level job and I got kind of connected to the farmer's market in my area and started my own business that also had a had that blog that you just referenced. So I sold baked goods and then I had the the blog because it was like 2010. So everyone had a blog. Now everyone um, is doing podcasting. <laughs> but uh, I learned so much, you know, starting my first business at 23, I think I, I just learned so much about it. It was really successful to the point that I needed to decide if I wanted to be a baker and open an actual shop or continue on the nonprofit route. And I did choose nonprofits. But when I started my own consulting agency, actually, it's the same thing. I still had to make m budgets and figure out, um, you know, all the profits and, and loss that I could get into with, with running my own business and filing all the paperwork. So, so really, it was a great learning experience. And at the time, it was just a lot of fun. And it kind of grew organically. But you never know what side hustle, what new skill might lead you down something that at some point in your life or your career is just going to be really um, set you apart in, in jobs or just set you up for success in another venture. So I love that. I, I think so many people in this day and age, they know that they're going to have to be continuous learners. They're not going to be able to stay on the same pathway forever. And that's that's OK. Like explore things that interest you that spark a passion in you you never know where that could lead and even if it doesn't lead to becoming a c-suite executive at an organization it could lead you to a lot of fulfillment in your personal life or um, just some extra skills that may come in handy later so i, I love that continuous learning yeah so well spoken Lo love what you're saying there i um you know, personally, I, I have a I, I theme every year. I'm kind of a goofball, and this year's theme is get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And when you're when you're building a business, you know, you, you're kind of thinking through, okay, what are all the things that need to be done? Who's going to do them? And a lot of times, you have to lean into 
I'll call it opportunities such as podcasting or being on social media or leading webinars or, you know, see, you know, launching an event. I'm even starting to write a book. So like that learning grow mentality and, and getting uncomfortable, I, you know, what I'm starting to realize is in the beginning, it sucked. The first six months were terrible. And, and now I'm about halfway through the year uh, and it's kind of starting to become the new norm. I'm embracing kind of who I am, uh, just, you know, failing forward, um, trying new things, giving myself permission to be, a, you know, kind of a goofball or to, to mess up an intro and, and get tongue twisted and to come on and just be like, you know, I kind of just tongue twisted that thing in the past. I was a perfectionist and that would have killed me. I would have been mm -hmm. sweating cut. Let's start over. And now I'm like, eh, whatever we got through it. Let's move on. They care more about the conversation than they do the intro anyways. So it's so much fun to, to be in that space. I love hearing you talk about it. And I hope that uh, many of our listeners will, will follow your, your lead when it comes to trying new stuff, learning and growing in the side hustles. Yes, I'm also a recovering perfectionist, so I understand what you mean. <laughs> I wish there I were a program it. for that. But I think if you look at any leader or anybody in a leadership position, if they tell you that they never failed, they're either lying or they're, they've <laughs> not done anything innovative. And, um, you know, that's where you get the most amazing uh, concepts that run with like Chris Price, who we know both know. He founded the uh, Indiana Construction Roundtable Foundation. Um, he's an engineer by trade, and he owns a, the association management company that um, staffed that. But he started that to really kind of dig into ways to solve and innovate within the construction industry on this people pipeline issue. And within his first year, he was getting state appropriations. And really, that program took off. And, and now it's turning into a national um, you know, nonprofit with action. So I don't think at the time when it was just him knocking on doors that he would have ever thought that that was going to happen. And here we are today on the podcast. So yeah. just always try new things. It could lead anywhere. You know, that's a, that's a perfect transition. I just, I have so much respect for Chris and the entire Madison Corp and all that they're doing there. You know, ICRF is a great organization. I love Chris's leadership. Uh, you know, they run on EOS, so that's always a plus for me. I'm a big mm -hmm. EOS fan. But the thing I love about Chris the most is, well, there's a lot, but I'll just kind of sum it up in this. He has an abundance mindset. And there's a lot of associations. There's a lot of people out there. They're, hell, we're trying things. You're trying things. There's a lot going on. And everybody's trying to think through this workforce thing. And the thing I love is like the abundance mindset of, hey, let's come together it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of effort, but let's unite. And, and when we need everybody kind of doing their thing. And so uh, there, there's enough out there for all of us. And so talk to me a little bit about ICRF and kind of what they're doing as we spring into ACTN. Like what are some of those things that you're, you talk about replicating and taking it out. Talk a little bit about what ICRF is and what they do. And then, and then what that transition looks like for, for action. Of course. Um, so I know I've touched on it a bit, but ICRF um, started in Indiana in 2015. Chris Price uh, started that organization and is still the president of it. And um, they were looking at this industry-wide skills gap and people problem that we have. So the building up that pipeline of folks who were going to take these 
job vacancies um, that are only growing and have only grown since 2015. And, uh, you know, Chris had the vision that that was going to be something that that needed to be collaborative between, um, you know, community, government, nonprofit uh, industry professionals. And so he worked really with all of those groups to get it off the ground. And so they kind of have two sides of the house. So their BYF program, Build Your Future, that is geared towards um, K through 12. And within that, we have um, industry ambassadors that go out to schools to talk about the construction um, field as a as an industry and a career path. Um, we all know that that has been something that schools have kind of shied away from with pushing people to that four-year degree. So a lot of kids don't know about construction as a lucrative career that they could have. And also they're not really helping, um, you know, mom or dad do projects around the house. That's just not how families work. So they're not getting those basic skill training. So BYF is really opening those pathways, encouraging kids to to think of it as a career. And then they also have these wonderful construction clubs. Um, so those are after school programs that are uh, getting kids kind of those fundamental skills of learning how to use tools, uh, getting excited too, because it's really exciting to build your first, um, you know, little project. It could be a birdhouse, but you're just really proud of it in eighth grade that you were able to do that. So that's kind of what the focus of um, the K through 12 stuff is. And then the other thing is getting adults who miss that opportunity and are looking for a career that they can be passionate and run with and, and make a livable wage. Um, so we do BY, which is the adult side, and it is skill building. And depending on, um, we have several different iterations of that. It's both, we have English versions, we have Spanish versions now. Um, but they're getting those basic credentialing, they're getting soft skills, and they're getting skills training across any of those BY programs um, so that they're really successful in the first three months or so on the job, which is what industry is wanting, right? Um, trained folks that can f fill these vacancies and getting folks that aren't in that pipeline into the pipeline. So it's not just job hopping folks back and forth to different places. It's actually filling those roles within within the industry. So um, BY, we've got into corrections settings. So that's one iteration of that program. We're um, teaching folks that are about to uh, get out of prison um, these skills so that they're able to then have a pathway that one helps with recidivism and also, um, you know, gets them skill trained to fill those jobs and that need. We have um, just standard BY. We have a partnership with NDOT uh, in Indiana, so the Department of Transportation, where we have a couple of extra weeks added on to that program, and um, folks get another credentialing in heavy highway machinery so that they're able to go and do that um, kind of horizontal industry roads mm -hmm. professions and start uh, helping fill those. And um, then we have a BY plus. So kind of that that has grown out of the work that we've done um, and noticing that folks to be successful to complete an eight or 11 week program and then to be successful on the job, they need some additional supports. So um, that one really helps with like getting child care or transportation or expunging something from their record that's holding them back from getting employment. So it's it's a really case by case basis. Um, you know, some folks may be housing insecure. Some folks may be dealing with 
substance abuse issues, we're connecting them to other resources in the community that help them be more successful in life and on the job. Um, but regardless of that, we engage the industry that we invite them to come into those programs to speak to the class about their niche within the industry. And all of our classes end with a career fair. And we get folks who are hiring um, to interview our graduates. Uh, you know, we've worked, we've helped them work on their resume, on their interviewing skills, um, all of those things that they need to be a conscientious employee as they start a career path forward. So um, our graduates are really prepared and the industry is able to then scoop them up at the end of the class. Wow. I mean, I'm just blown away. What an incredible program. And, and, and remind me again, you know, ballpark, how long has that been around? Uh, 2015. So, so about 2015, eight years. So about eight years and it's working. I mean, a lot, working. Of times we, a lot of times we talk about like, Hey, what it could be or the vision or where we're going and, and really excited to get into that with action and, and how you're going to take, you know, this. But I think that starting with that foundation of eight years of what are the needs, you know, and how do we fill them and how do we build a program? And you focused in one state, one location for the most part, learned, developed, iterated, and now you've got this incredible program and now action comes on. Give me the transition, give me the mission, give me the vision of action and what that looks like. Yeah. So what we found is that we've had a lot of success and we've had folks wanting to replicate that or asking us to come to their states. Um, we have people that have heard about our programs, but they're not an Indiana resident, so they are, they can't participate. And um, so we know that we need we need to take this out and and get these success out to other states that are struggling with the same industry issues of this people pipeline. Um, so we're going to be taking all of those wonderful programs and starting them in other states, and that's what Action is going to be doing. Um, basically all of those same programs. And then as we develop partnerships in other states with industry, with um, departments of transportation and government and, and funders, we're going to be able to do those skill training and get those folks connected. Um, and it's, we know too, that, that people are just looking for this out there and it's not something that maybe they have really considered before. And once they're able to complete that, that program or get into it, um, they find the career to just be wonderful. I So ICRF actually um, decided to do a, a BY program in Gary just, uh, it was two weeks ago. Within 24 hours, we'd filled the 50 spots available. And within 48 hours, we had 350 folks on the wait list for additional BY classes. So we, we know that people are out there um, just banging down the door to get to this uh, kind of skill building. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. So action, it's just coming to life. I imagine, you know, there's a lot of process that's going to go through this. Um, you're going to have a website. It's you, mm -hmm. you're starting in Kentucky. Like, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that people will be able to follow along on, on social eventually, but kind of talk through like, what's the next three to six months year look like? In terms of the uh, in terms of action coming to life, I know it's I know it's transitioning uh, ICRF into other states, but just talk to me about what this next six to twelve months looks like. Yeah, so um, since I live in the Louisville, Kentucky area, and I've worked in in Kentucky for most of my career, that was a logical next step um, for us to go into. Since I've already kind of made those connections through other work that I've done. 
Um, but again, as we get other partners, we are open to going to other states. I know like Texas, for instance, um, we could do so much work there. So uh, if you're listening and you're an industry partner and you would like to help us make those connections and um, host classes or something like that in Texas or, or Tennessee or anywhere, please let us know. Um, we should have a website up actually by the time that this podcast is airing, which will be usactn.org. Um, so we've already got the domain. We're just getting that up. And um, yeah, we filed all the paperwork necessary to to kind of go out. So we'll just start making those um, making those partnerships happen and then scheduling the classes and, and recruiting people to them. <laughs> That's absolutely incredible. So, you know, talk, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, kind of your background. We've talked a little bit about, you know, ICRF and ACTN and, and kind of the vision and where that's going just from an industry level, you know, feel free to relate this to your, your business or just the industry as a whole, you know, from a leadership philosophy standpoint, like where are you seeing things need to go from a leadership development standpoint within the construction industry? Um. I think, you know, this, particularly when we're talking about this people pipeline issue, that is such a large and complex problem. And the deficit of skilled folks is just so large that I think the industry really needs to come together and collaboratively solve that. I don't think any one um, entity or person has the answer. And so I think leadership there looks like collaboration. Yeah. And, um, you know, being willing to work together. So, you know, that's, that's just having people across the industry, noticing that this is something that's affecting all of us and putting aside kind of individuals to know that they're all going to reap the benefits of, of solving this problem. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, we, I talk about the numbers all the time, but you know, just from what's been out there and published, uh, they say by the year 2031, 40% of the industry is going to be retired by then. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, right now we need about a half million, you know, plus people coming into the industry every year, net new, uh, for the next decade. And so when we start talking about the problem, you know, what I'm excited about is, is, you know, we're, we're finally starting to talk about solutions mm -hmm. and, you know, whether it's, you know, ICRF and BY or ACTN or BuildWit and BuildWit Jobs and, you know, uh, you know, the summit or things that we're doing leader to me, it's, we have to look ourselves in the mirror and say, Hey, we've got a challenge ahead of us. I agree with you. We got to collaborate teamwork, leverage resources, like let's start working together, but we got to take ownership of that challenge and start really figuring out. And there are a lot of companies that are out there that are doing some incredible work right now. And so I, Absolutely. You know, I want to make sure that, you know, I, I you know, I, that we come off as like, Hey man, if you're looking for some benchmarks, there's some really good companies that are out there doing some great things. There's some great organizations that are doing some great things. I guess that's something good to talk about potentially. Like, what are you seeing that's out there in the market or in the industry that are some of those great things? Like what, 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 what are some of the good stuff that you're seeing? Um, well, you know, just looking at like our hiring fairs, that's a lot of industry folks from really competitive, <laughs> um, competitive, uh, companies and they're coming together to interview our, our folks and they're doing that, you know, class after class. So, you know, they're working together. Our board, for instance, has, um, folks from, from different construction and different construction companies, um, and education and stuff like that, that they come together to work on this pro problem. So I think it's setting aside that ego. One of the things that I love about um, 
leadership in general is that generosity of sharing. Um, and, and it's one of the reasons also, Jason, I know that Dirt World and BuildWit has had a, a huge um, partnership with ICRF and with Chris. It's It's gone back many years. And I think one of the reasons that it's so wonderful to work together is that there isn't a lot of ego there. It is all like, how can we just fix this problem? How can we get this out so everyone gets helped? And um, that's really exciting. Also, just from a fundraising perspective on that, you know, this bipartisan infrastructure bill has created a ton of money that is on the ground. And many states are also looking at this as a problem and they're um, trying to work to fix it. So they're putting out grant opportunities. And one of the things that I see time and time again to get that money for skill training is uh, collaboration. So they want industries to work together. They want employers to work with nonprofits. They want, um, you know, government to be involved, the local workforce development office to to kind of help. Um, and they're doing that, one, to force those partnerships a little bit, but also because they know that no one person can solve it. And so they're incentivizing that collaboration as well, mm. which is really exciting. So I have goosebumps, not going to lie to you. My brain, you know, I just start thinking about, I'm hearing you talk about this and it just, it's screaming opportunity. Mm -hmm. We know people in every state. <laughs> We've got connections. Um, it's industry folks, it's associations, it's local. I, I, I'm really excited. You talk about our partnership. Like I'm just envisioning like these peer groups by state, like as you're starting to plant flags in these states and, and growing action and figuring out how do we collaborate? How do we bring people together? How do we unite to really help solve some of these problems? And so, man, I think our best years are ahead of us in terms of that collaboration and working. Talk to me a little bit more about like, I, I hear the, I hear what you're saying about bipartisan bill and the funds and the, you know, there's all these acronyms, the IIJA <laughs> or what, I don't even know how to, I don't even know what all they are now they're very intimidating and you know, we hear them and it's like, Oh, that's opportunity. But it's like, nobody knows how to navigate and get their hands on any of those dollars. And so, you know, what do we do if, if we want to try to get our hands on some of them, is it, is it call you and you'll figure it out? Or is it, are there things that we should be doing as an industry by state, by region, working together to start thinking about how to, how to really get our hands on so that they're deployed and utilized in a way that's really going to make an impact in the right way that they're supposed to be utilized. What advice would you have for, for our people out there listening? Well, to, to really stay up on um, those big government grants that come out to national or regional areas, um, it, you can have a free online account for grants.gov and um, you can put kind of little flags on, um, you know, industries or, or opportunities that may come along that, that it'll then send you an email if there's something that comes up that matches your search criteria. So that's really easy. Um, like you said, they tend to be incredibly complex. So usually just the instructions are like 60 to 100 pages. Um, and I feel like I'm beating a drum here, but I think the answer is really a collaboration. So I used to work as a federal grants officer. So it's something that I've I've worked in that realm quite a bit for several years professionally, and there are quite a few other places um, and 
government entities like the Department of Transportation or something like that that are going to get this and will be looking for partners to be able to um, do skills training and and get people into jobs. So I really think it's part of that knowing who the players are in your area and having open communication with them with an intent to help solve this problem so that they can give you a heads up. Um, I know for us, like a lot of times we will be the person who puts together that application and then um, ask somebody that we're partnering with for a letter of support and kind of just collaborate on that. But but knowing the ins and outs of what you have to submit does fall on us as a, as the lead applicant. And that's just to help kind of figure out all of those reporting requirements and pieces of information that they need as as an expert in that area so that you don't have to be because <laughs> I know it can be intense and overwhelming. That's that's very interesting. Um, so grants.gov. Go check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't have to have any prequels to apply for them. Can just traditional businesses or is it best to work in that collaborative space like what you're saying? It will really depend. So many of them are geared towards nonprofits or government entities. Some of them are exclusive to government entities. So you would have to know like a city or um, state even that's that's deciding to go for those dollars and really uh, push to get whatever entity that is named on that um, to go for that funding with you as a partner. Um, or if you just want to, you know, bounce ideas, see if something works or doesn't, you you can always email me. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm Amy Conrad Hill. You can also email me uh, operations at usactn.org is our email address. And just shoot us an email and say, hey, I've heard about this or I'm interested in it. And maybe it's something that we can collaborate on together or at least connect you with somebody in your state who may be doing that work. Yeah, no, that's really good. You know, I'll just go back to uh, one thing that you touched upon was kind of losing the ego. And, you know, a lot of what we're doing right now is we're leading change. It's in the construction industry, they're really good at taking it, you know, whether it's design build or, or design bid build, whatever it's, they, they take plans, they build it. Yeah. They're innovative, they're solutions, they iterate, you know, whatever, but we're builders. And it's like, this is kind of what we do to solve these problems. It, it, it's really outside of the construction scope. It's, it's different. It's change. And what, what we've been doing for the past decade obviously is, is, has helped, but it's not necessarily solved the problem. And so we've got to, it goes back to that, you know, uh, getting uncomfortable and we've mm-hmm. got to, we're, we are, we are about to undertake some new things and trying new things. And it's like, I guess if, if, if there were some parting words as we're starting to wrap this thing up, you know, how would you encourage people to just get involved you know, uh, because it's going to take, you know, it's going to take all of us and it's going to be different. It's going to be unique. It's going to be change. we got to lead change, you know, anything around change management that you might have any words of encouragement for, for getting engagement moving forward. Yeah. So my, my word of encouragement kind of goes back to the beginning. So this has come full circle. There are nonprofits out there doing great work, trying to solve problems that, you don't have to have all the answers as um, somebody who owns a construction company or, you know, as a as an engineer or anything like that. You you don't have to have all of the answers on how to solve the problem. You can start to figure out who may be working on this and how you can give your input into that. Obviously, action wants to to 
be that partner, but it's going to take more than us as well. We're going to collaborate with other community partners. So um, really just, just figuring out who else is working on this and then emailing somebody there and try to try to get involved, try to try to help it because it's going to be, um, it's just a huge problem. It's going to be more than one person can solve and you don't have to have all the answers. We can brainstorm and figure that out together and see what works and pilot new programs. Well, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on as a guest. Um, so excited for our partnership. So glad that you're part of the dirt world summit and, you know, really appreciate your support there. Uh, you, you know, we start talking about, you know, nonprofits and like just making the world a better place. And that's something that, you know, feels good that you enjoy and that we enjoy. Uh, and to be honest, like selfishly, like at Buildwood, our mission is to make the dirt world a better place. And it just feels good, you know, right? Like mm-hmm. trying to solve these problems for the industry uh, and, and really leveraging, you know, just these great partnerships. So I am just really, really excited about working together. We're going to go plant some flags in, in multiple states and, and, and grow and super excited to watch action really take off. Uh, before, we, before we sign off here, I want to reiterate the website again uh, and make sure I get this right. So I have usactn.org. Correct. Okay. Usactn.org. And the email address is operations at usactn.org. Once again, that's operations at usactn.org. And you can find Amy, that's (laughs) A-I-M-E-E, Conrad Hill, and that's C-O-N-R-A-D-H-I-L-L on LinkedIn. So uh, Amy, thank you so much for joining us today on the Dirt World Podcast. You absolutely crushed it. (laughs) Really enjoyed the conversation. And to all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. Until next time, keep leading in the dirt world, building people, projects, and communities. Thanks so much, Jason. Man, you did an incredible job. (laughs) 